0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter pack underscore data. Well, I don't know about you guys. I'm 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 getting there. I'm getting there. I'm feeling um. I'm feeling okay. I already knew when it happened yesterday that it it didn't sting as bad. Um, it is interesting to see the reactions of people online. Um, for some people, this is like I said, it's not really. You know, Seattle was much more painful, I know, for me. Um, Last year was more painful for me. Maybe 2019. I don't know. Probably most of them, to be honest. I think at this point, there's a part of me that just kind of knew. Like I said, when I went through the DVOA, point differential stuff, basically these these kind of predictive um, statistics that I really didn't want to see or want to believe that basically put every team in the playoffs ahead of us. There was a part of me that just kind of knew, like, it just had... And, and this is not the vibe I'm getting from most people. And again, you can I'm not telling you how to feel, but most people seem to have the feeling that this was our shot. Like this was the best team we've had since the time we won the Super Bowl. And I'm looking at it kind of going, no, I think last year we were a better team. Now, it doesn't necessarily incorporate um, the guys that we just got back, but still. I mean, th- this this kind of started to have a 2019 vibe to it in which our record was better than um, our talent would indicate. Um, that. Now, that didn't necessarily mean that I thought we would lose. I still thought we would beat San Francisco. I was really all in on that home field stuff. Um, Tampa Bay was not the po- same kind of powerhouse. The 49ers were not the same kind of powerhouse, which was the other kind of thing I was looking at, right? Uh, on one hand, the, the Packers are not necessarily as dominant as I'd like them to be, but the 49ers are not as good as when we lost to them. Tampa Bay is not as good as when we lost to them. I was honestly more afraid of the AFC teams, the Chiefs and the bills if and when we ended up seeing them especially at a neutral site that was kind of making me nervous especially especially California because we fly to California and there's that whole thing but um whatever uh that's that's not what it happened but there you know you, you go online it was kind of interesting cuz there is kind of that dynamic I think I can't remember I think it was Herman or something that came out and said you know this was a brutal loss but it's not even top 5 and somebody else, Bukowski or whatever, came out. Maybe I'm getting this exactly backwards, or just they're just two completely different people. I don't know. But let's just use those two guys. Came out and said this is honestly number one for me, and that's kind of the the dynamic. It's like, yeah, that, that was brutal, but you know, not 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 that bad. And other people are like this is the worst one I've had. Like this is the worst. So um, some of us that are not feeling like it's the worst, I think we're kind of coming out the other end of it already. Looking forward to the off season um, and what that may bring. Other people, it's going to take some time, Um, and I understand several people have stepped away. I I really do appreciate, by the way, all the uh, words of encouragement. Um, And um, also, looking at yesterday's numbers, a lot of people tuned in. So I I do appreciate that. I don't know how long that's going to last. (laughs) I think that there's, you know, some people are going to taper off a little bit here, but um, I do appreciate it. You know, I know last year, um, I don't want to sound you know, wimpy or whatever. Like I, I, I need your encouragement, but, um, just the amount of empathy that I've, I've received. And even from people that are like, yeah, I am going to take a break, but keep doing what you're doing kind of thing is, has been kind of cool because, you know, because it is, it is doubly depressing. You know what I mean? It's, um, we're headed for a dark time here and, and and I don't just mean the Green Bay Packers. I mean, me personally, (laughs) you know, it's the off season. So it's like, I have to do more work for, for less people that care. But I fortunately I do love the off season, so um, you know again I I do appreciate the words of encouragement and all that. Um, but but you don't need to worry about it because I genuinely I'm I'm a weird freak that way, and um, and I know there's a lot of other a lot of other people have reached out and said the same thing. I mean I've had some people like Goose has been all in on the Goose has been getting me jacked up for the draft for a long time. Like he keeps like throwing in little comments and I'm like yeah let's do it and then. I just know if I start talking draft while the Packers are in the playoffs, everyone's going to lose. And I get it, you know? It's like, dude, we're in the freaking playoffs. Can you chill with the draft? And it's like, I'm sorry. I just get excited. I'm sorry. But now I get to kind of hit the pedal to the metal or whatever the, the thing is. Hit the nail right on the coffin. Um, life is a highway. Dig it. I don't know why wrong sayings are funny, but they are. Um also, I hit up Patreon. Real excited about all the feedback. Um, for the most part, it was very much um, just do your thing, whatever you're feeling. Let's do it. So I appreciate that. Maybe that was my fatal flaw of asking Patreon, um, because although I want your guys' opinion, Patreon is more the uh, the diehard listeners, obviously. <laughs> so they're like, dude, I don't care. I'm just I just like the show. It's like, oh yeah, you, that's 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 Patreon. That makes sense. If I want to get shredded, I should go over to Facebook and uh, Twitter and just let them tear me apart. But I'm a coward, so I'll just appeal to my uh, my Patreon loyals. <laughs> what do you guys think? Am I doing a good job? Anyways, we're we're gonna we're gonna ease into it. I, I think the biggest amount of feedback that I got was I want to know going forward about the salary cap in particular. We're gonna get there, but I have to do a lot of work because the salary cap is complex. I mean, it really, really is, um, and it's it's also very unfortunate for me because as I've mentioned before, for whatever reason, the way my brain works is I I just forget. Every single year, I forget. And there's all these little uh, rules and, and details that I kind of... And if you get something just a little bit wrong, you're way off. And if I start building out entire theories on who stays and who goes based on these things that I'm either assuming or slightly incorrect about, I'm, I'm, I'm entirely off. And even these these calculators and stuff, they're not exactly correct. Um, and just how these things exactly work. So I like to go back and look at, for example, if we start talking about giving Devontae a new contract, what does that look like? And so I need to go back and look at Devontae the last time he got a contract and how it was structured and how that ties into to, you know, everybody else. You know, If, if Rodgers is extended, what would an extension look like? How low would, that, would or could that number be? If we trade Rodgers, what is the number? depends when we trade him. Okay, well, if we trade him here, what's the number? If we trade him here, what's the number? If we trade him here, what's the number? If we, if he retires, what does that do to the salary cap? Um, Devontae, if he gets tagged or, um, you know, you start talking about bringing back wide receivers. What about the contracts? Well, you know, there's this, there's this. What about tenders? That was another thing that came up that, that just dawned on me yesterday. What if we put like a second round tender on uh, Al Nazard or MVS? I don't think anybody's going to in fact, I'm positive nobody's going to give up a second-round pick for either of those guys, and I think it costs like $3 bucks. So, I mean, the, the point is there's just so much, and I know every, that's like the biggest thing everybody wants right now, and believe me, that's the biggest thing I want um, as we start looking into these things, but there's just a lot of work that I have to do. Um, I'll probably start trying to reach out um, to guys like Ken Ingles, um, some of the guys over at Spa Track and um, over the cap, and just see what I can do as far as picking their brain. But I don't even know where to start, you know what I mean? And I, I can't ask them to give me a top-to-bottom lesson and you know a full tutorial on every single player and every single scenario. So i, I got to kind of start working through it on my own, see what I can figure out, find out where I'm getting stuck. Maybe I'll start soliciting questions from you guys in specifics in terms of what it is you want to know that we need to know, find out what I can figure out. And um, the point is it's going to be a very long process of really hammering this down because there's a lot here. And it's an overwhelming thing, and I've kind of been avoiding it for a while because there's so many unknowns. And and prior to the off season, I just I don't want to put in that amount of work um, for for things that I have no idea if they're even going to materialize or what. But now that we're here, I mean, it's a, there's no avoiding it. If I'm going to have a Packers podcast, I have to be a salary cap expert, and that kind of sucks. But we'll see what we can do. Um, as far as the draft, I know JJ had mentioned he's not super interested until we start figuring out you know who's staying and who's going. Um, but I am going to get started on that because we still need to familiarize, familiarize ourselves with the prospects um, so that when the time comes, we'll have a better understanding. I mean, we may not know where guys are going for several months. I mean, some of these guys, we're not going to know if they're staying or going until after the draft. I mean, we still have to theorize. We still have to understand. And um, the, the beautiful part about it, to be completely honest, is we don't know. And that that kind of gives us a little bit more leeway in the draft rather than looking at it and saying, we only need these three positions, and we know we're drafting at 26, so who are the best three at these at pick 26? And it's one episode, and then I can never talk about it again because it's like, well, I mean, I guess we'll look at the third round. Dude, we can talk about anybody at any position at any pick because if we trade Rodgers, we might be getting a really high pick. And even if we don't get a high pick, we might get several picks which could materialize into a high pick if we trade up for somebody. So from pick one to pick 32 and literally every position is quarterback on the table. Yes. Now, please understand, I I'm also going to step away from that a little bit. I've kind of said my piece on that. I mentioned the possibility of Rodgers leaving. I don't think I'm as all in as everybody else. I didn't realize, you know, I mean, I'm I'm there with you as as we kind of think that through and we look at Aaron Rodgers and the situation, it's hard. It's somebody asked me this yesterday and it's kind of weird where I'm at with that right now as far as Aaron Rodgers. I think if you think logically about the situation, it makes more sense that Rodgers leaves than stays, but I'm still like 55% that he stays. And I can't really rationalize why that is, other than prior to this game, I was very positive he's staying. Prior to this game, I was very positive. And, and I don't, and I feel like the reaction is simply an overreaction for several reasons. There's, there's the hurt of it, there's the fact that Rodgers was directly responsible for this loss. And the feeling that what's the point, you know? But it, but but I don't want to make decisions based on this just empty feeling of hopelessness because I know that's not what the, the Packers are going to doing. So I'm trying to really get through the emotional part of it and see if, on the other side, if if rationality is more in the on the side of moving on. And I I'm not positive that it is. And I think the salary cap will help clear a little bit of that up. Um, but again, my my thought was the goal is to win, and our best chance to win is with Rodgers. And I don't want to get to the point where it's like, well, we know we can't win with Rodgers because look, what stop it. Like, I, I mean, I get it, but stop it. We have won with Rodgers. We can win with Rodgers. I, I know there's a there's a fatal flaw here, but we've also lost in the past when Rodgers is playing well and everything col- collapses around him, right? I mean, look, teams win and teams lose in the playoffs. And one of the beautiful things about this last weekend, as opposed to the weekend before where everything was devastating, you look at this last weekend, I mean, look, look at how many 1st te- of all, again, Dallas is a great example. By all those metrics that I talked about that told me the Packers weren't that good, Dallas was one of the most dominant teams, and they just fell apart. I mean, if we're going to say that, then you got to blow up every single team every time they collapse. You know, Buffalo, who looked pretty good for most of the year, who I thought was an absolute force—in fact, if they had come together and won that game— I think they probably win the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, I think that falls on the Chiefs now. I, I don't want that to be the case. I hope it's not the case, but we'll have to see. Best of luck to Cincinnati. I don't think they have much of a chance. But man, I would, I would, I would just be super thrilled. <laughs> I almost took that too far. We'll just keep it with I'd be super thrilled if they were able to pull that off. But I mean, honestly, do we look at that and say it's time to blow it up in Buffalo? Cause really, you know, on one hand, you look at it and say, wow, th- this is some of the best quarterbacking and offensive play I've ever seen. But Explain to me the defenses for the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. How I mean, honestly, how pathetic is that? I mean, you could honestly say that it's pathetic for um, for Kansas City, but they won, so let's just look at Buffalo. I mean, the fact of the matter is, what what was there, like a minute and something left and Kansas City, marched down the field, got a touchdown? That shouldn't happen. But then Buffalo, with uh, pfft, I don't even know how much time, I, I can't even remember the the exact events, but whatever. They, they were able to march down the field and score. With, like, a minute, and then, what, Kansas City? Making Aaron Rodgers look like just a a nobody. Like, we're all excited. Like, he came back and won with 37 seconds. Mahomes came back and won with 15 seconds. (laughs) Or 13 seconds. Like, oh, okay, I guess it's, all right, whatever. Cool. I mean, Rodgers is still good. You're an idiot. I don't care. But, I mean, dude, 13 seconds and your defense collapsed? Should we just blow it? You know what I mean? I mean, you can't. You can't do that. You can't blow up entire teams every time there's a collapse. And and to take it a step further, what most people seem to be saying is, look, we've got a great defense. We need to build around that and, um, you know, really embrace this Shanahan system, the, the Matt LaFleur system. I hate to keep calling it that, but I mean, you know, that's what people understand it as because Shanahan is the full the full fleshing out of what Matt LaFleur wants to do. Let's just embrace defense and get some nobody quarterback and um, just run the ball with A.J. Dillon, get some offensive linemen and just tear some people up, see if we can't get ourselves a kittle, you know, and just roll with that. The the biggest problem I have with that, though, is, you know, again, it's the recency bias. We're going to lean on this defense. What defense? You mean the defense that prior to this last game we played, everybody was worried about? The reason we thought we were going to lose to the 49ers is because our defense, the, the run defense sucks and... They're collapsing, and they're, they haven't been good since, like, week seven. That defense, suddenly they're elite because they had one good game based on, a, you know, a pile of people that we're not keeping, like Zadarius Smith, who has basically already said goodbye to Green Bay. He was on Instagram. Um, he said, thank you, Green Bay, which doesn't mean he's gone, but, I mean, just based on the salary cap, based on pretty much everything, I mean, he's, he's pretty much at the top of the list of guys where you look at it and say, there's almost no way. You look at the age, you look at the... Um, well, let's look at it. 2019, he was elite. 2020, he was not. Again, he had like an 8% pressure rate. In 2020, he spent the entire time injured. And his 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 cap hit is just through the roof. There's almost no justifying that. So Zadarius Z- is gone. Preston is a maybe. Amos is a maybe. Um, and even with most of these guys, we're looking at it and we're not super excited about it. I mean, just, just two weeks ago, we didn't like our defense. And now all of a sudden, it's like, this is the, this is the defense that's going to carry us to the promised land. Because of one game? This is what I mean with the the overreaction and stuff. I'm not saying, you know, we can't build toward that in the future, but I just don't want to hear people all of a sudden say, well, we know we have an elite defense, so we should just ride that out, and Aaron Rodgers is trash. Like, excuse me. Again, two weeks ago, the entire reason this team is, is worth anything is because of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, right? The offensive line is capable. The running backs are good. The defense can show up in spots, but it's not good enough. And one week later... Rodgers is trash. Get rid of him. And the defense is going to lead us to the pro. You know what I mean? I mean, th- this is clearly some overreaction stuff. Now, I, again, I'm I'm not talking to everybody. I'm not saying that that can't be a strategy moving forward, going in a different direction. But I, I, that's my biggest thing, even for me personally, and why I don't want to make sweeping declarations of where we should go. I also think Rodgers has taken a little bit too much of a brunt. I mean, I, I came into this Assuming that the special teams would get killed the most, and and I wanted to come out and say, listen, special teams, yeah, but this this falls on the offense in general. The offense is really the problem here. Ten freaking points! I mean, come on. But obviously, I didn't need to say that because everybody's saying it. But but again, now everybody's falling on on Rogers, and he's he's the only problem and the biggest problem. And it's almost as if if he could if he would just leave, we would could start winning. And it's like, all right, now we're getting a little stupid. And and let's be completely honest. There are some people who are who are unleashing um their feelings based on things that he's been saying. All right? This is this is their opportunity to come out and say, "Good, I can finally just completely trash the guy. Get him out of my face. Get him off this team." So there's a mixing of that going on with all the other emotions that are going on. So it's like I'm I'm again, I'm going to step away. Um there is a problem with Rodgers, but he's also still the best player on this team, whether we want to acknowledge that or not. He still gives us the best chance to win in 2022, whether we want to acknowledge that or not. I think the the, the biggest question going forward is, is that what's best for the team overall? If you want to win in 2022, Rodgers stays. If that's going to damage your chances of rebuilding a, a new vision in the future, which is going to come anyways, um, then we need to at least consider moving in a different direction. But I don't know that the Packers are going to do that. They've made sweeping declarations that they want to move forward with Aaron Rodgers. They've said that. Rodgers has said he's very happy with the situation here in Green Bay. All signs previously pointed to a reunion. Now, that's going to come probably at the cost of, of some kind of an extension, which is going to bring down his cap hit, but it's going to be a long-term commitment. And again, that's where the that's where this last game kind of causes some confusion because you do wonder, you know, is, is Brian Gutekunst and this team looking at this going, I don't know if I want to commit to this? Again, it's not that Rodgers is the biggest problem, but you look at that. You look at again. And and this was this is what I had said. You know, there's a lot of people who are mad again about this whole Jordan Love thing. And I said I don't disagree with the thought process. But the the fact of the matter is when Matt LaFleur came in, Rodgers lost the team cuz it used to be we're building this team for Aaron Rodgers. We're building around Aaron Rodgers. We're doing everything around Aaron Rodgers. Once we hired Matt LaFleur, it wasn't about Aaron Rodgers anymore. And um Fans got mad at that. And I think that's absurd. And fans lost their mind, and the media lost their mind. How dare you not build around Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers is everything. Aaron Rodgers is the future. Aaron, blah, 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 blah. Fact of the matter is, they're building around Matt LaFleur. We're moving in a new direction. I want our team to look like the 49ers. That's it. I want to look like the 49ers. I want to look like the Rams. And we brought in Matt LaFleur, and I'm saying, I want you to do this. And if if the best way to move forward with that plan is without Aaron Rodgers, then let's do it. So we started building. We went out and got an A.J. Dillon. We went out and got a Josiah DeGuara. We went out and got Jordan Love. You know why? Because he's a great fit for this system. Now, whether or not he's going to be a good NFL quarterback, I don't know. But the, his play style fits very, very well. Quick, quick passing, in rhythm, all this kind of stuff. Plus, he can, quote-unquote, make all the throws, right? So I was not worried about the thought process, because on the other hand, you've got Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers likes to do things his way. That automatically is a problem. He's expensive, he's old, he's declining, and he's disgruntled. So you can understand the thought process of, let's at least explore quarterback, because I don't know if this is going to work. And even in 2019, he did not play within the system. And that was a problem. And then they went out and got a quarterback, right? But he follows that up in 2020 with an MVP, and I think the thought process shifted at that point. They still were not willing to commit long-term, which again, the media and the fans lost their mind. How dare you not commit to Aaron Rodgers? He's everything. He's the only thing that matters in this world. How dare you not lock him up for eternity? And the Packers said, listen, we're going to concede a little bit here. We're going to pause our plans to move as far as let's just make us the 49ers, let's move in, in the direction of... Uh, whatever Matt LaFleur wants. Let's give Rodgers what he wants for one year. Let's just give him whatever he wants. I'm not giving him a contract. I'm not going to give him a contract, but let's just, let's, let's appease him because he's upset. He's throwing a fit. We don't want to move on yet. Fine. You win. Let's do it your way for a year. We're going to go all in. We're going to push out all the money. We're going to bring everybody back like Tampa did. We're even going to bring in a few other key pieces. We'll even go as far as bringing back your buddy Cobb because you've put your foot down on Cobb. Fine. We'll bring back Cobb. We did everything he wanted. We made Rodgers the GM for a year. Obviously, Gutekunst was very upset about that, as he should be, because he's the frickin' GM of the Green Bay Packers. But again, Packer fans, media, everybody, oh, this is what we need to do. This is what we should have done. Make Rodgers make all the decisions. He's probably drafting for us, too, so we can draft seven wide receivers, et cetera, et cetera. And the point is, it fell flat. And, and the question is, what do the Packers do from here? This, this is kind of where I'm at right now. Do we just unpause Right? Because we pause. We pause the plan to move forward. Do we just unpause now and go, well, we tried it. It didn't work. It's time to move forward. And if that's what we're doing, and I kind of think we should, does that involve Aaron Rodgers? He's still going to give us the best shot, but it's it's him getting out of structure. It's him just completely turning into, I'm I'm the god of this thing. And it, and it comes from a place of, of really wanting to win. I'm not trying to just completely trash the guy, but it's a fatal flaw where it's almost like he wants it too much. You know, I mentioned that quote from... Uh, Michael Irvin, and, and how he would get his guys together and be like, this is on us. If we're going to win, it's on us. I think Rodgers has that exact same mentality, and it's a fatal flaw. He looks at it and says, if we're going to win, it's going to be on the superstars. It's going to be on guys like Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, Devontae Adams, and me. And those are the—well, not Devontae, but largely, this is where they failed. It was it was desperation to get it to Devontae. Everybody's seen that horrific throw now, the final throw, where he threw to a double-teamed Devontae Adams when you had— um Equinemius coming wide open down the field. I mean, at the very least, if you're going to launch it down the field, I don't know if he gets it there, but he had a step that could have been a walk-in touchdown. Or Lazard, who could not have been any more wide open in the middle of the field, he decides to throw a double-team to Devontae. Why? Because again, in his mind... Screw the system. Screw Lafleur. Screw everybody. I don't care about Lazard. I don't care about Equinemius. I don't care. I don't trust this offensive line. I don't trust anybody. I trust me. I trust Devontae. I trust Mercedes. I trust Cobb. If I have to, I'll throw to one of these other guys, but I don't trust them. I don't want to deal with it. I threw it once to Deguara, and he dropped it. I threw it once to Daphne, and he dropped it. I'm not doing this today. I don't trust you. So right away, he doesn't trust the offensive line. He starts to panic. He starts to scramble. He starts to just dump the ball off as quickly as possible. Right away, he's not even checking the rest of these routes. Which again, it's not even if you look back on that play again, the one where Equinemius and Lazard were wide open, but he threw to double team Devontae anyways. It's not just the fact that it, he should have been able to see it. It's it's the fact that he knows better. He knows the play. He knows the system. He knows the defense. He should be able to identify if I got two guys over here, if they're doing this, 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 this guy should be open. He has the processing power, the omniscience as a quarterback god. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's the guys like Rodgers, the guys like Brady, the guys like Peyton Manning, the guys even like Brett Favre, who just said they've been doing it for such a long time, they can diagnose things. He probably knew the defense when they were lining up, and even if he didn't, when he snapped it, he should have been able to see the way that they were moving, and there should have been a part of his brain that just said, oh my goodness, Lazard is about to pop wide open, this is going to be beautiful, but that part of his brain just shut off. And immediately he said, I'm going to—he said before he snapped it, he probably didn't even look at the defense. He said, I'm going to Devontae. Why? Because the game is on the line. And he says exactly what all the fans say, just like against Tampa. You don't take the ball out of your superstar's hands. You go for it on fourth down because the superstars are the ones, right? LaFleur Le- took the blame for that saying, "I it was my fault we should have run the ball more, but I wanted to put the ball in the superstar's hands. You bunch of morons, no offense to the fans who agree, but listen to me. That's not how football works. It's just not, because just as easily the defense can attack your biggest players. The, the reason why teams like San Francisco and the teams like Green Bay are successful when they're successful, and I've said this all year long, it's when you can get other guys involved, and it doesn't even matter who it is. Sometimes it's Lazard, sometimes it's Aaron Jones, sometimes it's Dylan, sometimes it's MVS, sometimes it's Tunyon, sometimes it's, it's whoever. So there were, t- there were games where it was Jamal that was just that other X factor that was not accounted for that just tore teams up. When you, when you concede and say, you know what, I'm just going to our big stars, it's, it's I mean, listen, Devontae can beat a double team once in a while, and he can scoop up some bad passes off the ground. He can do magical things, but that's not a game plan. And Rodgers just gets into panic mode. He starts to scramble. He starts to panic. He starts to do all these things. And, you know, so again, as we look forward, it's like we want to move forward with Lafleur, Right. Okay, what does that look like? Again, Rodgers is absolutely our best chance to win. But there's also this fatal flaw where we need somebody to buy in 100% and Rodgers just doesn't. There are times when Rodgers says, "You know what? I got this." And we need somebody that's going to that's going to trust the process. And the fact that LaFleur or the fact that Rodgers um, devolves into a subpar quarterback. I mean, really, because again, you you put a guy like Love or Justin Fields, or pick your your least favorite quarterback, they could find Lazard open down the middle. Those are some of the few throws that they can make, but Rodgers is one of the few quarterbacks that doesn't make that throw. Why? Because he he gets into God mode and starts saying, I trust nobody. I trust me. I trust Devontae. And he starts making decisions worse than the worst quarterbacks out there. He's the only quarterback in the NFL that doesn't make that throw to a wide-open Lazard to get us halfway down the field. It is a fatal flaw. Again, are we better off with love or over Rodgers? No. Are we better off than anybody we can draft or anybody that we can get in free agency over Rodgers? No. But it's still a question. If he's going to keep doing this, if this is going to continue to be a problem where he doesn't trust the system, and and, and also, by the way, he's completely bogging down our, our salary cap and, and help hurt, hindering us in terms of what we're able to do moving forward. Plus, you know, most people you're not allowed to think this way. But let's be completely honest with Rodgers. If we're not winning Super Bowls, what are we doing? We're we're getting 13 wins, and we're getting to the first, second round, whatever round, third round of the playoffs, and we end up picking 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, and it's just it's hindering our ability to build forward. Again, you're not supposed to think that way because winning is is important and all that, and I agree. But I'm I'm just trying to get in the headspace of of a GM, and I and it's it's really to the point of I don't really know. It is stupid to move away from Rodgers cuz Rodgers does give us the best chance to win but it is concerning too because he doesn't buy in sometimes. He just he just says I don't care what any of you say. Right? This roster that that Brian Gutekunst helped to build, he he ignores it. Forget all of them. I don't care. Your head coach ignores it, right? He he Brian Gutekunst brought back Aaron Jones and drafted AJ Dillon. Those are some great options for us. We abandon it. Our coach abandoned it because he, he's leaning on Godgers. And Rodgers is leaning on Godgers. And everybody's leaning on Godgers, right? All this, the the offensive line. Granted, they didn't have the best day, but the fact that he just, he has zero trust in it. He starts panicking and hearing footsteps even when there's not a reason to panic or hear footsteps. You know, I I, I didn't get too far in reviewing the game, but I skipped the first two drives when when things were going well and I just started from there. And there was that that throw over to Daphne um, early on and, and essentially... Within two seconds, not even within a second and a half, he wants to bail and throw it to Daphne, and Daphne's not even looking yet, right? Because he hasn't even gotten to the point in his route where he turns his head around. So Rogers looks, he tries to throw it, and he's not there. So he picks up his head, and he's just he's just in panic mode. He's not even looking down the field. He's freaking out. He's got time at this exact time. A.J. Dillon is coming across the field, and again, if he was calm and composed, he could understand the situation, he can see where the defenders are, he knows where everybody is running, he knows the entire route tree, he should be able to see A.J. Dillon's coming across right here, I can dump it off to him, he's 7 yards further down the field. When you factor in, our guy is 2 yards behind the line of scrimmage, A.J. Dillon's 5 yards further down the field, even if he gets popped and stops there, it's a 5 yard gain, A.J. Dillon's open, and maybe with his power he can blast ahead and get a 7 yard pickup. He doesn't. As A.J. Dillon comes running across the field, he never takes his eyes off Daphne. He kind of stops to, to scramble around and look in the pocket like, am I okay? Am I okay? Let me scramble. Let me freak out. Looks back to Daphne like, hey, idiot, is your head turned around yet? It is. He throws it to Daphne. Daphne's about to get hit for a two-yard loss. Fortunately, Daphne just drops it. Panic. Just Panic. And he didn't get hit. He didn't get sacked. He had time. He could have stood in the pocket. He could have waited. He could have hit Dylan. And, and who knows who else was open down the field. The coach's film wasn't even released yet. So I didn't get a chance to see exactly all these things, which is what I really wanted to see. Is there anybody else that could have uh, been open? But for the most part, what I saw, because usually guys run off a camera, right? But when they get off of cameras, right around the time they're about to hit their break. So whatever route they're running, you don't see it until right until they get off a of camera. And that's the point in which they're getting behind the defenders. But also, right when they get to the defenders, when Rodgers kind of drops his eyes, right? That's right at the moment where he's like, I got to go. I got to get out of here. I got to either dump it off or I got to run away. Well, if you're running before guys get even into their breaks, and maybe that's a Matt LaFleur problem. Although, again, there's usually a a, a relief valve that he could throw to, but chooses not to. But I don't know, man. It's just, again, he just didn't trust anybody but himself and Devontae. That's it. And a little bit of Mercedes, but then he fumbled. So then we scratch him from the list and... and he tried to force one to Cobb, and even on that play, somebody went back and looked at it and said, yep, there was a guy wide open. He decided to force it to Cobb. Why? Because it's Cobb. Because I, I we need to get him involved. He knows what to do. He's been here before. He's a guy I can trust. He almost throws a pick six because he wants to force it to Cobb, and it was literally the guy next to him. I don't know if it was Deguara or who it was, but th- there was a guy running, running just a little hook, and there was nobody there. Cobb was covered. This guy was not. Whoever it was. It would have been just a little short dump off pass. I mean, both of them were basically short dump off passes. One of them is a wide open guy. Again, you pick up four, five, six yards. The other one is a potential pick six. He, he forces it to to Cobb. Why? Because he's panicked. He's freaking out and he wants it so bad. And he just feels like if we just push and, and lean on these guys, then we got this. And again, that's just, that's, that's not it. And it is a fatal flaw. And it, that kind of stuff just has to stop. And we've seen a, a thousand times that the system works. And we've got a good team. We have a defense that's starting to ascend. We've got running backs that work. We're, we're, we got a pretty good offensive line if we can get them back healthy. I know win healthy is, is not the best thing in the world, but I mean, literally in this case, it's good win healthy because win healthy, it's David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. So yeah, it's it's a much better offensive line. But anyways, all that to say, all that to say, I don't really want to address that too much yet. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I'm not as all in is everybody else on Twitter, that Rodgers is 100% gone. I don't know that the Packers have abandoned Aaron Rodgers. Everything I've heard up to this point is that the Packers want him back. Maybe they're they're lying. Maybe that's not true. I don't know. Um, I think that there is a world in which he comes back. But I also think there's kind of a a middle ground that I don't know that they can reach. I don't know if, if the chasm is too wide. In other words, the Packers have to move forward in a certain direction. And is Rodgers willing? He said he's not willing to come back for a rebuild. Well, it's not going to be a rebuild, but it's going to be a gut, especially if Rodgers comes back, right? Because there, there's a there's a vision of who gets to stay if Rodgers leaves. And again, this is another thing that the GM has to factor in. We maybe keep Devondre, keep Razul, uh, keep some of these pieces together, some of these wide receivers, Alan Lazard, um, uh, other guys, if if Rodgers is not in the equation. And if Devontae is not in the equation, then we pretty much can keep everybody. I mean, that's, that, <laughs> we don't have to do much. After you probably get rid of Zadarius and restructure a couple guys, we're good to go right i think kenny clark can easily be restructured he's he's like 20 million per year over the next 3 years like perfectly even like nobody has a contract like that like let that thing blow up and get inflated you can push a little money forward at least adjust for salary cap inflation cuz right now his contract is basically going negative i mean from from our perspective like we're, he's getting cheaper every single year that doesn't happen but if Rogers does stay, then it's like, OK, you know, and, and this is where Gutekunst and Rodgers are going to have to meet and and say, listen, um, you know, we're not necessarily rebuilding. I mean, if we're keeping you, it's because we want to win in 2022. However, we're going to try to win with the same team minus Sidarius minus, you know, this guy, minus, you know, Preston, minus Amos, minus whatever. You know, I don't think we're bringing back Lazard and MVS and Equinemius and, you know, Mercedes. Good chance he's not coming back. And so it, it's again it's it's not a rebuild, but we, we do have to get under the cap, and um, unless you're willing to gut your own contract, we're gonna have to um, have to move on from some people, and we may not call that a rebuild, but Rogers might look at that and go, yeah, and and you know at, at that point you know Rogers is saying I don't I don't really know about that, and Gutekunst is like yeah I know right kind of sucks, right? I mean, what are we doing? We couldn't win with the roster we have. Now we're going to win with the exact same roster minus gutting some of our core players. I don't know if I feel good. So there, there may just be a mutual, like looking at it and going, you feel good about this? Not really. I don't either. So then it's, then it's, well, what do you want to do? And Rogers has to decide, like, do you want, do I want to go play for a new team or do I want to retire? And I, I, that's another thing that I don't, I don't know what he's going to want to do. You know, um, he's not going to want to play for any other team either. That's, um, not a contender. And I know a lot of Packer fans are like, oh, well, suck it up. But Rodgers does hold the keys here. I mean, he he holds the power for the Green Bay Packers as well as everybody else. I mean, we can trade him to the Jets if we want, but he's just going to go to the Jets and say, if, if they trade me to you, I'm retiring. So it's not going to work. And the Jets are going to back out and say, I'm not giving you draft picks for a guy that's going to quit. So Rodgers is going to say, I'll, I'll, I'll continue to play, but only for these teams. And then there's a question of, do those teams even want them? Are they going to be willing to play ball? It's going to lower the price because Rodgers already has a lowered price. From what I'm hearing from sources if I may be so bold, is that there are a lot of teams that don't like Rodgers for his political stance. Um, the Raiders, in particular, is one team that I heard of that basically want no part of that. In fact, from what I've heard, it's the reason why they want to move on from Carr because of, I mean, partially the mediocrity, but it's the, the, the organization can't stand him because he holds political views they don't like. Is that stupid? Yes, but it's the world we live in. We can't get along, we can't play nice. And so there are going to be people like I, I whether it's I don't like his stance, um, I don't want to deal with the media backlash, I don't want to be a part of that, I don't want to see, be seen as supporting that. Plus, there's the age, there's the contract, there's the you know the the just the fact that he collapsed in the playoffs. All these things are factors for other teams, and it's like you know the Packers come forward to the four teams Rogers is actually willing to go to, and they're like, hey, um, can you please take this guy because he won't go anywhere else, and also we would like three first round picks. I mean, we're going to get laughed at. Dude, no, I'm, no, I'm sorry, but no. Now maybe we get lucky. There's some super hyper aggressive teams. Maybe some hyper aggressive teams that feel like they're on the cusp. If they could just get the right guy, maybe they'd be willing. You know, Denver's obviously been talked about a lot. Pittsburgh with that defense, I'm sure Rogers would like to have a defense like that, and maybe Pittsburgh would do it. Although I don't see them as that kind of an organization, but who knows? Uh, Denver's possibly about to get sold, and what you know, what could, what would a new owner love more? You know, you just bought a football team. You're trying to bring in some revenue and bring in some hype for this new team. I mean, what could be better? I mean, honestly, keep an eye on that. If, if the Denver Broncos do get sold to new owners, we'll have to kind of dig into who those owners are. Again, we're just we're just talking here. I'm not saying he's getting traded. I don't know what's happening. I'm just I'm just we're just spitballing right now. All right, my head's spinning, and I'm just trying to put it all out there for you. And then we'll we'll sift through it and try to be more calculating as we go forward. But right now, we're just kind of laying it out there. But if, if the Denver Broncos do end up getting sold, um, keep an eye on that. Because again, if, if you're a brand new owner and you're trying to inspire some confidence and, and prove that this is a new era and you want to start off on the right foot, I don't know, man, something to, something to think about. Um, Cleveland, potentially, I mean, that's a team that is not playing up to its potential. You know, with, with the defense playing as well, it is the offensive line is just unstoppable. I mean, Aaron Rodgers would be playing behind a great offensive line with a pretty stacked defense. Um, you've got some good weapons there. Uh, if they do move on from Baker Mayfield, that's maybe something to consider. Probably not Philadelphia because they need, need to just blow that up. But who knows? They've they've got uh, two first-round picks back-to-back, you know, picks 15 and 16. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe they'll be stupid and be like, hey, we can win with a quarterback. It's like, no, you can't, but we'll see. And would Rogers want to go there? I don't know. Um, Saints, I don't think, have any ability with their cap still being a mess. But, you know, they are a team that you can look at and say if they had a quarterback, Maybe, and obviously the the head coach, there's rumors that he's not going to be there anymore, but maybe that's a way to keep him around. Like, look, I know things aren't great. I know you don't want to be a part of rebuild. What if we just got Rogers? What if we explored that? Would you stick around and coach Rogers and try to win another one? You know, I mean, they were close every single year with Breeze and then things just kind of fell off. I don't know if they could stretch it, but it would make sense. They got the defense, they got the offense, they got the coach, they got all this stuff. Rogers could go to a... Warm weather dome team for once. I know he's always liked the cold weather and all that stuff, but I mean, you're getting a little bit older. Why deal with it anymore? Raiders are a popular destination, but again, I don't know if they would be willing to do that. What would be really sick is if you went to Tampa. Like if Brady retires and it's like, ah, ha, 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 you bunch of losers, and then they got Rodgers. I, mean, I don't know if the Packers would even do that, but it's a thought. But I don't, you know, I don't. Know. Again. Even as I say it, I'm thinking about it. Like this is stupid. He's not getting traded to one of these teams. I don't. I don't know. But let's let's just let's put it out there into the universe and let it just kind of float around. And as things come out, and you know, I'm assuming Rogers is going to be doing some McAfee stuff, and we're going to be hearing from Gutakunst and Lafleur. And you know, they need some time to kind of get away and get through this stuff. And um, I'm grateful for McAfee and 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 for him being on there because it's going to give us some insights that we wouldn't otherwise have. Um, even if it's just minor reading between the tea leaves things. But um, I like that Rodgers is open now. Um, I've been so sick of all the everything being hiding behind this coach speak nonsense. We never get to hear anything. Everything is veiled. And now Rodgers is like, I'm going to tell you whatever, whatever. I mean, that's one of the best things about this team is we get an insight into everything. Some people complain about it. But again, I think that's largely because they don't like his political stances. And he goes on TV and just keeps saying them. And and that's like nails on a chalkboard to people that don't don't agree with what he's saying. Um, but you know, leaving all that stuff aside, if you have the ability to just focus on the football stuff, um, we get some pretty good insights. So I don't know, again, we'll just kind of leave it out there. Uh, this went a lot longer than I thought. I'm again, I'm doing the AM podcast. It's just, it's just better, man. I, I, maybe I just got to stick with this. I don't know. I was all excited. I'm like, I'm not doing the the morning thing. I I've, I've earned the right to not have to get up at three o'clock to do this podcast. And it's like, I just, but I hate doing it in the PM. It's like, it's like, It's like when you're on a diet and you're like, I earned this, I've been good, I'm going to eat some pizza, and then you eat the pizza, it doesn't even taste good, but you do it anyways because it's like, I've earned this, and you try to convince yourself that this is better. Like, I'm not eating steak and mashed potatoes, I'm not going to be good, I'm going to eat pizza. It's like, dude, this isn't as good as your diet food, bro. Like, seriously, a pork chop, you know, like a a really well-cut, a well-cooked, thick-cut charcoal grill pork chop, have you had a good pork chop? I know some people are, are, most people are actually traumatized by pork chops because when we had them as kids, it was back to when you were supposed to cook them to 165 and you usually get these garbage thin ones with the bone in them and they were pan fried and they were just cooked until basically pork jerky. And so when you tell most people about pork chops, they are like, dude, that's the nastiest food, why would you eat that? No, I'm telling you, you want to know how to do it? You have a charcoal grill, I'll tell you right now. Get a thick cut pork, no bone, just a th- you know, some people like it. I'm telling you not to. Thick cut with a little strip of fat on the other side find Stubbs Pork Marinade. Just do what I tell you. Let that bad boy sit in the pork marinade for, I don't know, hour, a couple hours, whatever. At least an hour. Get your Weber kettle or whatever charcoal grill you got. Light some coals. Put them to one side of of the, the charcoal grill. It's called indirect. Put those thick cuts on the other side of the grill. Put your lid on so that the vent is over the meat so it draws the smoke over the meat and up and out the holes. And let it just sit there. And I, you know, I, I I don't worry too much about temperature controls. I know there's a better way to do it as far as keep your temperature, you know, keep it to 225. Listen, I didn't know anything about temperature controls when I was first doing it, and I never messed these things up. Just do it indirect. Keep an eye on the temperature. Keep an eye on, you know, maybe rotate them if they start. By the way, keep the fat strip to where the flame is so that when it starts to blast it, that starts getting rendered and, and cooked down and gets a little charry and delicious. Maybe 15, 20 minutes, check the temperature. You're cooking it to 145. That's it you're not doing 165 that doesn't count anymore 145 make sure as you get into it 100 degrees whatever you, you flip it rotate it whatever you got to do 145 you pull it let it sit for maybe 10 minutes doesn't need to sit for don't let it get cold don't worry about you know it's not going to dry out I mean if you bring it in cut it and eat it right off the grill it's not going to dry out that's that's silly you lose a little bit of water but it's fine but if you rest it for a little while just don't let it get it's 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 so good it's so good sorry I got lost there for a minute it's um it is good though I'm just saying if you don't like pork chops just just do it anyways Um, anyways, we are, uh, at the point of needing to be done, but we're not going to be done. It's going to be an extra long podcast. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back on the other side and we're going to do PFF. It's going to be very quick. It's going to be very short because nobody's going to like what PFF had to say. Nobody's going to agree with it. People are going to throw things, but, um, you want to hear it. So we're going to talk about it and, um, you know, we got to do it. It's, it's what we do. And it's funny when, when people trash my show, one of the, one of the biggest complaints is all the guy does is read PFF stats. It's like, no, yeah, I guess. That's a fair critique. But I, you know, it's interesting. And I know people want to hear it. So we're going to talk about it. Is it lazy? And could anybody do it? Sure. But it's still interesting. And I'm still going to do it. And people still want to hear it. So freaking get over it. Does everything have to be the most monumental thing in the world? (laughs) I want PhD level analysis or your podcast sucks. Okay, whatever. Sorry. Good luck finding that podcast, by the way. You got a former GM who has a podcast where he calls coaches Matt La F. So, you know, good luck finding high-quality analysis coming from anybody out there. But once again, I do want to remind you of a modern frontier. Um, it is a um, basically a source of meat. And um, if you're looking for a source, especially if you're in the Wisconsin, Illinois area, whatever uh, looks like, by the way, boom, he added the one quarter pastured pork box. So he did, I've been saying that he's got pork, but it hasn't been listed. I got to start eating my meat faster because I want to get that pork, man. I'm, I I got the beef because I never buy beef because it's too expensive. I always buy pork. So I got pork butt, pork chops, pork this. I started to buy chicken, even though it's not even, it's not even cheap anymore. Chicken is is more expensive than pork, but I just, I just haven't done it in a while. And I have a sous vide and it's like, dude, I haven't had a good sous vide chicken slapping on the, by the way, stupid good. I know sous vide is chip ch- cheating or whatever, but I don't care. Sous vide Q is is delicious. But uh, he's got a quarter and and again, usually you can buy a quarter cow or a uh, half pig. He's got because those are expensive. He 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 gives you the ability to do one eighth grass-fed beef box or a quarter pastured pork box. So the prices are going to be half of what you would probably normally pay. There's no additional um processing fees. I, I there was um my wife's friend just recently bought a quarter cow costs her $1,000 after processing and all the additional fees on top of it. You can get one-eighth of a grass-fed beef box, $375, and that's shipped to your door. That includes shipping. So th- so there's no additional fees on top of it, and there's no actual shipping fees. You don't have to go to the processor and go pick it up and all this stuff, bring your truck and load up all, delivered to your door. And again, you're supporting a uh, very small uh, local company. Um, Adam is a is a good friend of mine. We used to work together for many, many years. Doing landscaping stuff. He's a he's just one of those guys. that's just a hardworking guy. I mean, that's just what he does. He works. He went out and he bought property and he works the land. And that's just you. You see him do that, and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. That feels like something he would do. You know, and you text him and he doesn't respond, and it's like, you know, why? Because he's he's working on the farm. <laughs> because that's what he does. Um, but he got laid off from his from his job, um, and he's really trying to make this business work. And as somebody that has been grinding for many years to try to make a dream come true for this to be my full time job. Uh, when a friend comes to me and says, I have a dream and a vision of being able to start a company selling meat, which is a dream that I could absolutely get behind. It's like, I want this to work for him and I want the best for him. So again, if you're local, if you're kind of in the area, or even if you're not, if if you're out far, just just message and be like, hey, can you send it out here? And he'll let you know if he can or can't. But if you use promo code MEATPACKERS or MEATPACKER, either one will work, but it's one word, all caps, um, you are going to get a discount. I'll be completely honest. I forgot what the discount is. My apologies. <laughs> I suck at this. But uh, again, this is this is all local. This is not some garbage. There's no, um, you don't have to worry about what's in the meat, what's been done to these animals or anything as far as um, steroid. Ing- I mean, this is just free Roman grass fed local Wisconsin meat. So head over to amodernfrontier.com. And again, if you have any questions or any concerns or any issues with billing, shipping, questions, comments, concerns, just reach out to him uh, personally, and he'll, he'll again, he'll work with you. He'll make it work. He's, he's trying to make this business work, and uh, any support would be fantastic. Also, finally, don't forget about Drew. Um, looking for help to get his seizure service dog. I, I feel kind of bad. Uh, I had a bunch of people committed to matching however much the Packers won by and the Packers lost. So the Packers also let down Drew um, I also feel guilty being like, well, sorry, dude, I'm not giving you jack now. <laughs> I, I mean, it, a deal's a deal. I'll, 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 I'll give him something next month. I plan on doing something every month, but um, I still feel I feel guilty about that. But uh, Todd made a different commitment. Um, I don't exactly know what it was, but it was tied to the the score and point differential or something. I don't know. But um, he ended up donating $52. He held up his end of the bargain. So Todd, thank you so much. Todd, by the way, is our numbers guy. He's the guy that's been hammering me over the head with DVOA and how I'm wrong about DVOA and need to be paying more attention to it. And he's been sending me all kinds of good articles. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I knew this was a good site and a good like five thirty-eight. I know they do good work. And he's like, here's, here's five thirty-eight. You should check them out. And I'm like, dang it. I knew that. And I always forget to check their stuff. But he's, he's the numbers guy. He's the one that's been uh, hitting me over the head with this stuff and, and really helping to uh, improve the quality of the podcast by just reminding me that there's good data that needs to be looked at and you should be looking at it. But don't forget, Drew, you can check Twitter. A lot of people keep asking me, where can I find that? Go to my Twitter, pinned at the very top. Go to my profile, pack underscore daddy. If you don't have Twitter, just reach out. I'll send it to you. But it's pinned at the top, easiest place to find it, number one post. But let's take a break. Very quickly, we're going to run through PFF, and then we'll call it a day. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. By the way, just so you know, as of right now, the Green Bay Packers are picking 28th in the draft. So if you're curious about that, that's where we're at. That's where we're picking. Feels like pretty much the same as every year. Packers pick about 28th, um, and it sucks because it's end of the first. You're not getting any of the super big. I mean, you can. You can get a star in the fourth round, but you know what I'm saying. You're not getting that high quality stuff. By the way, kudos to the Packers for Rashawn Gary. Um, I I want to revisit that because um, we picked 12th that year. And um, the probability of picking a guy that sucks at twelve is so unbelievably high. I, I I did a project that year, basically looking at the quality of the players based on when they were picked, and um, it was a heck of a project. And and what I found is right around twelve is when there's a massive drop off. Like there's 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 I think like a the first, second, third. And then there's a minor dip and then, you know, four, five, six, seven, and then a dip or whatever. There's these general dips, but you get outside of 10 and right at about 12 is the biggest drop-off. And to be honest, I I feel like there's less of a gap between, I don't remember exactly, but it was something, it it was drastic enough that the 12th overall pick, I think was closer in quality to the 28th or the, you know, end of the first, like 20th, than to the top 10 players. That's how drastic of a drop-off you get. So you get the 12 and, and the Packers are right in that range. And again, the the odds of, of getting a a bust or at least a guy that is not what you would consider a top 10 pick, because he's not, but most people would expect that, um, very, very high. And yet they end up getting a star anyways. So um, it's also why I think a lot of people are optimistic about the future is because I, I like the guys that we have and their ability to, to build and, and take advantage of opportunities because you don't get many opportunities. You don't have much money to go into free agency. You don't have many picks. So you need to be able to capitalize, and, and the default is not finding stars. The default is finding busts, and the fact that they're able to find uh, stars, even if it's just one or two a draft, is is impressive. But anyways, we got to get rocking here, so let's pull up PFF, and let's see what we've got to look at here. We're going to start with the offense because that's the least fun part, but also the part that's going to get people the most angry. The reason I say that, and understand nobody really had a very high grade, but the reason I say that is the top five players um, – First of all, is Dominique Daphne is number five. I don't know if anybody would super object. After that, the top four, Aaron Rodgers, Billy Turner, Dennis Kelly, and Devontae Adams. So again, nobody's mad about Devontae being number one. That makes sense. But the fact that our two tackles were second and third and Aaron Rodgers was fourth, I feel like people are going to riot. Now, to be fair, Dennis Kelly's grade was a 72 with a 63 pass blocking grade, so not good, and a 90 run blocking grade. He's the only guy that did any good run blocking, but obviously that doesn't make a difference. Billy Turner, on the other hand, did have a 74 overall pass blocking grade. Again, the two times I saw him, he got whooped. Maybe he did a better job after that. I I don't know. Um, But then again, Aaron Rodgers, and he had a 68 overall grade, so that's not good. So um, whatever, but I I feel like most people expected him to have uh, like a 40 overall grade. But it was his fifth worst game of the season. It was basically, a, it was actually an exact tie with what he did against Arizona. Again, I think people are going to disagree with that, but it is what it is. In fact, I know for a fact Coach Hahn is going to disagree with that. I'm planning on having Sam and Coach Hahn on soon. They've given me dates that work for them. I have to talk with my wife and see if that works for us, because I'm an idiot and can never remember the schedule that we have set up, and it's the same every week. <laughs> it was just last week, my wife was like... Uh, I was like, what are we doing today? And she's like, I have my Bible study today, like every single week that I have it. What time is that? It's the same time as every single week. And I was like, look, I'm going to I'm gonna level with you here. You married an idiot, and I'm never going to remember this. And so I'm just going to ask you every day what's going on, and you're just going to have to remind me. And she's like, oh, that's fair. <laughs> so that's it's not verbatim how the conversation went, but it was something like that. I also made her sound more um, angry than she was. She was not—that's That's how I would have said it. That's not how she said it. But the bottom line is the two guys that had good grades, and nobody had a great grade, but it's 72.5 overall grade for Dennis Kelly and a 75.3 overall grade for Devontae Adams. Those are the only two guys that graded out well. And again, Dennis Kelly only had that good of a grade because he had an elite run-blocking grade, which didn't serve us very – I mean, if the only guy that can run-block on your team is your right tackle, it's not going to be a great day. Lucas Patrick technically had a good one also, but we'll get into that in a minute. Um, Half the team had 60 overall grades or better. Patrick Taylor, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones – Lucas Patrick and then Dominique Aaron Rodgers and Billy Turner all had 60s. But the other half of the team was subpar. Um, And even Patrick Taylor, you look at it and say, well, uh, you know, he had a 60 overall grade. That's fine. He had one snap. So (laughs) it didn't. And I don't even. So basically, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that works. He had a 60 overall grade, and I don't even know how because he had a 20 pass blocking grade. That was the one thing he did. Maybe they just looked at it and said, it's one snap. I'm not going to kill the guy on one snap. I don't know. I have no idea how that works. But anyways, um, everybody else was either below average or terrible. John Runyon had a 57 overall grade. Um, good pass blocking, bad run blocking. Alan Lazard, 55.8 overall grade um, as a receiving grade of 56.8. Tyler Davis, who played 11 snaps, had a 50.6 overall grade. Randall Cobb, 50.4. Again, we brought the guy in. You kind of hope, hey, it's the postseason. Like, he's he's got to want it. You know what I mean? I mean, this is this is everything. I mean, this is what added to this whole fantasy for us about, man, this this last ride thing and Randall's back. And man, they're they're going to put everything on the line. We're going to see the best performance we've ever seen from guys like Devontae and Rodgers and Cobb. And Cobb has a 50.4 overall grade, you know? I mean, I'm sure he put everything he had into it. I'm not saying he went out and didn't try, but it's like, it's not how I envisioned this freaking storybook to go. Equinemius St. Brown with a 49.6 overall grade. Josh Myers, um, 48, you know, I mean, he just, I know we're all excited to have him back. I'm excited for what he can do in the future, but, um, according to PFF, he was basically a mediocre center to begin with, not even as good as Lucas Patrick. And we moved Lucas Patrick and Josh Myers came back and he's even worse than he was prior to because he's rusty. But anyways, 48 overall, great for him. And then you got our two tight ends that just completely just messed up their, their pants real bad. Josiah Aguaro with a 40.2 overall grade, Mercedes Lewis, 32.3 overall grade, 70 pass blocking, 61 run blocking, and a 26.9 receiving grade. Again, Mercedes is a guy that we thought would really step up and shine because, you know, we, you know he wants it. And that's that's where it's like, I, I'm not going to say these guys didn't try because I know guys like Mercedes Lewis want this. And I know they're not the kind of guys that are like, I don't really care. But you just wonder, like, is, is there something weird about wanting it too much, trying too hard? I, I don't know how to I don't know what that means, but it just doesn't make sense to see guys do this poorly. I mean, it doesn't seem to defect, affect Devante. Granted, I mean, for Devontae, a 75 overall grade is is maybe a down game, but let's be honest, that's a good game. And of course he had a good game. We we watched him make spectacular catch after spectacular catch. On a day when nobody could catch because it was zero degrees outside, he's making circus catches. But um, looking a little bit further into Aaron Rodgers, I mean, kept cleaner pressure didn't make much of a difference. Um, in fact, under pressure, he had a 63.7 overall grade, which is high for him. The problem is when he was kept clean, 68.2. And again, that's the bigger issue. It's the fact that when things are going well, when he doesn't have pressure, when guys are open, he's not doing what he should be doing. He was 16 of 22, which is great for 167 yards, 7.6 average, no touchdowns, no interceptions, zero big time throws in this game. Uh, Zero. Turnover worthy plays, just one. I mean, what does that tell you? Ultra conservative. He's not trying big shot plays. He's not, you know. I mean, the the one turnover-worthy play, assuming, is that throw to Randall. But for the most part, he's playing way too conservative. He's way too scared of, of you know. He's he's trying not to lose. But um, when under pressure, he had a passer rating of eighty-four point two. When he kept when he was kept clean, ninety-four point three. Overall passer rating ninety-one point nine. Again, not really going to go in depth on the stats for wide receivers and. Uh, and running backs, you guys can look that up. And, and as far as in-depth stuff, if you really want to know, let me know. But it is it is what it is. They didn't grade out well. They didn't run very far. You know, I don't know, Google it. Um, I'm going to do it a little bit differently with the offensive line. We're just going to go from left tackle over to right tackle, starting with Billy Turner. Um, he did give up two pressures. That was the second most on the team. So kudos to Billy Turner for not giving up the most, as is his MO. Um, and being off the edge, I mean, you are expected to give up the most. I'm not just being... Um, a jerk here, although kind of am. Uh, he's actually third. There's two guys that had more, but he gave up two pressures. The two are only hurries, so uh, that's good. He had a 74 pass blocking grade, 61 run blocking grade, so not as not nearly as bad of a day as I was thinking. I mean, I, I said I saw him get thrown to the ground twice. Now, granted, thrown to the ground doesn't mean a pressure; it just means he lost that rep, right? If 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 he gets thrown around, but the but Rogers gets the ball out before the guy gets there, then you know that's what I saw, but it didn't materialize into a pressure. Anyways, left guard, Mr. John Runyon, he only gave up one hurry, Um, had a good day as far as pass blocking, 76.8, but the run blocking was a 48.6. I mean, that's the other thing that's annoying here is a lot of these guys had good days pass blocking, which should have meant a good day passing. I mean, we we can't run. Why? Because the the offensive line is just getting killed. And that was the first thing I noticed, too, on these running plays. Guys are just getting worked. On the very first, again, looking at that third drive, the first failed drive when things started to fall off. You watch those running plays, and it's like Billy Turner's getting killed. The left side of the line was the worst, and John Runyon was the other one. John Runyon and Billy Turner were just getting killed. I mean, on one of the plays, and and you'd have to defer to Coach Hahn to get a little bit more in-depth on how this is supposed to work, but essentially, and I, I I have not seen this very often, but you got Billy Turner kind of one-on-one with the guy off the edge, and then you have the—essentially, it was like two double teams. So there was the, the tight end Daphne— and um it would have been john runyon doubling up the sort of the number 2 guy right cuz you got your your edge right defensive end on billy turner then you have your right defensive tackle let's call him being double teamed by a tight end and your left guard and then the center and right guard double teamed the the, the third guy in line right the left defensive tackle so you're you're creating this giant hole where where right be, right between the two defensive tackles you've got just this massive gap now granted You've got linebackers just waiting, but what's supposed to happen is these two guys are double teaming and then they're supposed to just kill this guy so badly that the two guys on the inside slip out and get up to the next level. And Billy Turner got destroyed. And I think both of these guys' double teams just lost. So not only can they not get to the next level and stop the linebackers, but you got these guys slipping through making tackles on Dylan before the linebackers can even get there because they're losing with with two on ones. They're collapsing the pocket. I mean, the way this is supposed to work is these two guys destroy the defensive tackles and then are are able to just enough slip up to the next level so that as AJ Dillon gets past these guys, the linebackers are getting blown up. But it's just it's just it's just getting blown up. I mean, it's just pathetic. They're not able to execute even at even with two on ones. They can't execute, and that's a recipe for absolute failure. Um, Josh Myers, as I mentioned real bad day. I mean, he only gave up one hurry on the interior, which is great, but a 65.2 pass blocking day and a 42.4 run blocking day. Again, you know, the the run game is working, but it's mostly just these running backs putting the team. I mean, that's why I think AJ, this is an AJ Dillon game. And the reason I say it's an AJ Dillon game is Aaron Jones can work if there's something to work with. He's so good as far as making the right reads at the right time, so explosive. I mean, if, if there's a hole, he'll find it, he'll get through it, and he'll make it work. He can make magic happen that way, but if there's nothing there, he's not the kind of guy to make something out of nothing. I think on on the very next play of the one that I'm describing, and I think that might have been Aaron Jones on that first play that didn't go, I don't I don't really remember, but A.J. Dillon was in either the play before or the play after, and essentially it was kind of the same thing, but it was, it was a little bit more of your traditional outside zone. But the the hole that was supposed to be there that he's trying to run through, he kind of stuttered because the guy that was blocking was getting beat so bad. He let that defensive lineman go past <laughs> because it's like, well, that guy's going to crush me. So he pauses, lets that guy go past, makes another decision that I'm going to take on this next guy because although he's also beating, you know, Daphne or whoever's supposed to be blocking he's a smaller guy and he just tees him up and pushes him about five yards. So rather than trying to push the defensive tackle, I'm going to pause, let him go right by, go into the hole behind, which is not a hole that our guys are generating. It's just the defensive line is is kind of creating their own gaps and creases. And he just, it kind of became a two-on-one where you've got, let's just call it Daphne is, is partially blocking this guy. So you've got a partially blocked, I don't know if he's an edge rusher or a linebacker or what he was. And, um, but I like my odds of being able to push this guy. And that's all it was. There was no blocking. It's just, it's organized chaos. But of course, A.J. Dillon got hurt. Um, then you got Lucas Patrick, which is kind of the op- opposite. So you get the right side of the line now. Lucas Patrick, 71.5 overall run blocking grade, but a 36 pass blocking grade. He allowed three pressures, including a sack and two hurries. And then you got at right tackle Dennis Kelly, again, run blocking 89 overall, but pass blocking was a 63.90, allowed five pressures. He's the one going up against Bosa. So most people are mad at Dennis Kelly, but he had the much more difficult task. I mean, it's still your job, but I mean, it is what it is. One sack, one hit and three hurries. Um, and so the right side of the line, the two guys over there could run block, but they couldn't or... Yeah, they could run block, but the pass blocking was was not what they could do. The left side of the line was doing a better, from center out, better job pass blocking, but not run blocking, although the center was basically nothing. So the, it's, the center is bad, Josh Myers. The right side can run block. The left side can pass block. The line as a whole can't do anything right collectively, which in order to pass block and run block requires a unit to work together. And, you know, again, if, if especially pass blocking, if there's a weak link somewhere, it's just not going to work. But anyways, that, that, you know, every game that we lose like this, it always comes down to the offensive line playing poorly. I mean, every, it doesn't matter if you're talking about the Saints collapse, if you're talking about the last 49ers collapse, the Tampa Bay collapse, it always culminates to the defensive line is destroying our offensive line. And so that's, that's also, by the way, why I think regardless of what happens in the future, the Packers are going to emphasize offensive line. And I know we've got Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, and that's great. But I don't know how severe this Elton, this Bakhtiari injury is. I don't know when we're going to see Elton Jenkins back. And even with those guys back, we got a lot of questions. I mean, I don't know how good Josh Myers is going to be. I know we love the guy, but he has not proven to be an elite player yet. Give him time. We'll see how it goes. I know he's, you know, a lot of, lot of expectations for him. And to be honest, it was the same with Elton Jenkins. He didn't grade out super well as a rookie, even though everybody loved him. But it was kind of like, mm, we'll, we'll wait and see. And then we we saw. Kicked him out to tackle. He's one of the best tackles in football. But even still, okay, we're right guard, right tackle. What do we got? Right. So we've got to invest in offensive line regardless of anything else. But um, there's also other needs. So we'll see. Finally, let's get over to the defense now. Um, We'll start with the negative and work our way back. Uh, Despite the high quality of this defense, about half the defense really failed. Um, And again, it's not going to be what most people want to hear, but. The guys that came back are the guys that kind of failed. Um, and, and failed is, is not really necessarily the best way to put it. But in, in terms of grades from play to play, PFF did not like them very much. The lowest graded player on this team was Jair Alexander. Now, he only played eight snaps. So he was not out there very much. But they didn't like what he did. He was on, on those eight snaps. Seven of them were in coverage. Of his severed, seven coverage snaps, he was targeted once and it was caught for six yards. Um, so, you know, give him a full game, whatever, and obviously, well, it's because it's his first game back and all that. I get that, but it it kind of goes to it kind of goes to my pessimism overall for the defense because this defensive performance was largely based on guys that we've had this whole year. It was Rashawn, Preston, Campbell, Kenny Clark, Razul Douglas, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster. I mean, it, it was it was Amos. It was those guys. It was the same guys that we didn't trust the year prior, or the week prior, the week before that, or the week before that. It's not like, well, with Zedarius and all these guys back, we're gonna be great. No. It was just an, a Herculean effort by the guys we've had all year, and it wasn't. I mean, again, you're not going to like the PFF grades. It was one guy that they graded out real well. Everybody else was pretty mediocre, according to them. By the way, I can tell you right now, when we get Coton on here, he is going to heap some unbelievable praise on Devondre Campbell. He's going to take PFF to task in a way that that has never been, never never happened in the history of the world. When I explained to him that. Uh, they thought Aaron Rodgers was like the third best player, and Devondre Campbell had a 70 overall grade. He is going to explode because I don't, I can't tell you how many messages in a row I got from Coach Hahn, basically saying Rodgers was terrible. Rodgers lost this game for you. Rodgers was trash. I mean, just it was one after the other. By the way, did I mention Rodgers was awful in this game? Um, another quote, by the way, and this is just a, a preview into what's coming because um, there's a there's a little three way conversation between me, uh, Coach Hahn, and Sam because of the the work that we've done. We've got this little chat. And the question that he had posed to Sam is, um, you know, I don't know if you've looked at this yet, but is this the greatest inside linebacker game you've ever... Let me get the exact quote here. Here's the exact quote. Sam, help me out here as you're more experienced with defense. I'm re-watching the Game Pass film. Did we just witness the best inside linebacker game of all time? I'm not going to continue reading, partially because I don't know what it means, but I also don't want to... I, w- I want him to be able to, to explain that. But just to give you an insight into what he... Because let's, let's be completely honest... We need an explanation for why the offense was so bad and so good and or and the, and the, the defense was so good. And um, PFF saying Aaron Rodgers was fine and our defense was mediocre is not going to answer that question for us. But um, starting at the bottom, Jair Alexander, followed by Whitney Merciless. So Jair at a 36 overall grade. Whitney Merciless, 47. Darnell Savage, just living on the bottom now, 47. Zadarius Smith, 54 overall grade. Um, and then Eric Stokes with a 54 overall grade. Again, we don't want to hear that. We're not interested in that but it is what it is. Um, TJ Slayton, 57. Oren Burks, 58. Adrian Amos, 59. Chandon Sullivan, 59. These are these are the guys that are below 60. Then you got Chris Barnes at 60. Tyler Lancaster at 61. Dean Lowry at 61. Razul Douglas at 61. Kevin King at 66. That's pretty much the whole defense. We've, we've only talked about bad up through average. There were only five guys that had, quote-unquote, good grades, and only four of them, and four of them were basically exact ties for barely good. Kevin King... Excuse me, Kenny Clark, 70.4. Devondre Campbell, 70.4. Henry Black, 70.4. Preston Smith, 70.5. The only guy with just a dominant grade, not surprisingly, although given the rest of their grading, uh, Rashawn Gary, 86.8 overall grade with an 86.9 pass rush grade. So again, take it for what it's worth. If you don't like it, go back and watch the the tape yourself and and, um, come to your own conclusions. Again, one of the things that I would love to do more than just about anything else is to have our own grading system. Uh, maybe that's something I'll try to put together in the off season. It's a big undertaking, and we got to find guys that can do it because I can't do it. Um, but we'll 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 see. I don't exactly know the best way to go about that, but I would I would love that. Absolutely love that. Anyways, um, getting a little bit more into that, looking at run defense, um, the only guys that graded out, well, actually, there was only one, Preston Smith with a 74.6. A few other guys that were close, Razul Douglas, 69.7, Henry Black, 69.6, Henry, or excuse me, Henry Clark, Kenny Clark, 68.5, and Rashawn Gary, 68.4. Um, nobody was abysmal, but Eric Stokes with a 50.8, Whitney Merciless, 51, Dean, 53, Savage, 55, you know, whatever. Tackling was generally pretty good, which the defense has been doing all year. However, Chris Barnes, 50, and then you got several guys which were just horrible. Kenny Clark, 28.8. Chandon Sullivan, 28.4. Darnell Savage, 27.2. Jair Alexander, 23.1. Um, I think we know that has a lot to do with Debo Samuel. Plus, I mean, there's there's the, the ratios, right? If Jair Alexander only played eight snaps, and um, he had no tackles and just one miss, you're going to have a pretty terrible grade, which is why a lot of these guys, same with Darnell, one opportunity and he missed it. Um, Pass rush, there were only two guys. Preston Smith, 72-7. Rashawn Gary, 86-9. Nobody had a bad grade. 55 was the lowest, which was Whitney Merciless, but nobody was abysmal. Coverage, which again, doesn't make a ton of sense other than, you know, according to PFF's analysis, none of our guys covered very well. Uh, The 49ers just sucked. They were either getting open and and couldn't get it there, or they were dropping passes, which we know half of that is at least true. But the only guy that had a good coverage grade was Devondre Campbell, 70.2. Mostly mid-50s to 60s, but Jair had a 50.1 overall grade. Darno Savage, 49.5, and Preston Smith, which, I mean, obviously, but uh, 39 overall grade. Looking at statistics, uh, pressures, um, as far as guys that did a terrible job, uh, Preston Smith He, uh, 15 pressures, zero, or excuse me, 15 attempts, zero pressures. Now, nobody had a lot of attempts. So with 15 pressures, you're looking at somewhere between one and two pressures, uh, with 15 attempts and he had zero. So even at that, again, very few opportunities for our corners, for our pass rushers. They just, I mean, San Francisco wasn't out there much and they threw it even less. It looks like there was about 54 snaps. If you want to know how many snaps the other team had, look at your safeties, um, but Adrian Amos 54 snaps, Eric Stokes 54, Razul Douglas 54, Devondre Campbell 54. So, th- by the way, those are the guys, which which is kind of cool if you look at like who are your core players. Usually, it's just your safeties, but um, even Savage was not out there for he was only out there for 34 snaps. So he's he's even splitting time now with uh, with Henry Black, which is pretty depressing, but it is what it is. Um, but you've also got you know Devondre, is a guy that they're not taking off the field, but but other guys that are surprising. Um, even with trying to rotate in, uh, man, my brain, I'm, who are we talking about here? Jair. We're trying to rotate in Jair. Stokes never came off the field, right? Never. Also, Razul never came off the field. So I guess it's, it's possible there were like 56 snaps and it's a coincidence that, you know, these guys had 54, but, um, something to, something to keep an eye on going forward. If nothing else, it's really exciting that, um that Stokes is being given that amount of, of respect at the end of the year. Um, also kind of interesting for Razul Douglas. You know, you, I, in my mind, I'm thinking he's probably gone, but you can see how much they put in him as far as how much they really respect the guy and need the guy. We'll see. But um, continuing on with, with uh, pass rush, Dean Lowry also 16 attempts, zero pressures. Again, you're looking at somewhere between one and two, ideally I, ideally about two. So zero is is not cutting it. Um, Tyler Lancaster had zero, but he only had eight attempts. So you're maybe looking for one there. Zadarius Smith, 12 pressures, uh, 12 attempts, one pressure. So that's, you know, again, one is about what you would expect. If he gets to two, then it's a really high number. So, I mean, you know, again, he had a 54 overall grade, but he didn't play that much. He was on a snap count uh, and technically had a, a, a less than 10% pressure rate. But again, it's it's, it's small sample size. But then you get to the two studs of this game as far as pressure goes. Kenny Clark, four pressures on 22 attempts. Again, if you're looking for 10%, you're looking for about two. If you get to three, that's awesome. He had four and a sack. So he had a sack, a hit, and two hurries. And then you got Rashawn freaking Gary. Just, I mean, it's unbelievable what this guy does. He only had, if you look at the stats by themselves, you're thinking, it's a decent, it's a decent day. I mean, the two sacks really stand out. But it was really only six pressures, which is not a, a, I mean, it's, it's, who am I kidding? It's a fantastic day for anybody, regardless of the of the situation. But um, for for Rashawn, it's actually let's look at it. Let's let's get some actual numbers here because I, I feel like I'm lying when I'm saying all this. If you look at his stats overall, sixth six pressures is uh, his one two three four fifth best day. Here's what's crazy though: his best game, he had ten pressures, but he had 32 attempts in that game. He had eight pressures against Minnesota and Chicago. He had 31 and 39 attempts. He had seven against Chicago, but 34 attempts. He had six in this game, only 18 attempts. That is 33.3%. One third of his attempts he got home. By the way, San Francisco, pretty good offensive line. They got some injuries and whatnot. I I understand that, but pretty high quality offensive line regardless. And Rashawn just made that guy, you know what? Not relevant. (laughs) Leave it at that. 33%. Thirty-three percent. That's a number you almost don't ever see. His game with ten pressures was thirty one point two percent. This was as a pressure percentage his best game of the year. So again, when you start talking about guys that you can depend on, this is this is what you talk about. It's not Aaron Rodgers. I mean and I again I don't want to over exaggerate that, but um in this game in particular, who could we rely on? Who who are the guys it's Devontae Adams. It's a guy that you want to be able to trust and you were able to trust. And in this case, it was Rashawn Gary and Kenny, you know, I mean, maybe the overall grade, but but still, I mean, he, he okay, he missed some tackles. I don't know, whatever. But if, if I'm going to build for the future, that's what I want to know. Because we've won in the regular season. That's great. I want to know in the biggest games, who's going to step up? Who's going to rise to the occasion? I know Devontae can. I've seen Rashawn do it. I've seen Kenny do it. I want to know, Right. Same with our offensive line. I mean, again, I don't trust guys like Billy Turner because their worst games are in the biggest games, and that's what's most frustrating. I'm great. He's he's nice, doing a good—and I'm not even talking about this game. I'm just saying in general, I'm trying to think of guys that don't show up. That stuff bugs me, but it, it means a lot in a big game that didn't go very well to see a guy like Rashawn single-handedly wreck this. I mean, it, for him to have a once-in-a-lifetime game um, I don't know that it's impossible that he almost single-handedly was the reason for this defense. I mean, you add in what you get from Kenny and Devondre and some of this other stuff, plus the scheme and some other things or whatever that that were working, and you know, Zadarius only had his one sack, but it was obviously critical. So you get the contributions from different guys at different times at the right time. But Rashawn Gary, I mean, you, you get that many pressures on only – one-third of the times that, that, um, that Jimmy Garoppolo tries to throw a pass, he's got Rashawn Gary in his face. One-third? I mean, it was it was one one out of every nine snaps. He was sacked by Rashawn Gary, one of every nine passing attempts, at least when Rashawn Gary was on the field. Anyways, I uh, got to kind of speed this up. Let's look at targets and then we'll get out of here. Uh, not for Rashawn. That's not what I wanted. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> one target in the game. That doesn't make sense. Um, the most targeted player on the team was Eric Stokes. Only four Four targets, only two receptions for 42 yards. That was it. That was that was the biggest indictment. Uh, three players had two receptions against them. Again, Stokes was the most for 42. Razul Douglas, two of three for 31 yards. Devondre, two of three for 24 yards. Adrian Amos was targeted three times. Only one was caught for 14 yards. He also had a pick in the game. Uh, by the way, Razul and Devondre also had pass breakups. So add that to the list. Again, Eric Stokes, by far the worst statistically, and it's not even a bad day. Two receptions, 42 yards. Razul, two receptions, 31 yards, and a pass breakup. Devondre, two receptions, 24 yards, and a pass breakup. Amos, three targets, one reception, uh, 14 yards, and a pick. So 9.7 pass rating when going at him. Jair had the one pass, one reception, six yards. Um, Chandon, one pass, one reception, negative one yards. Chris Barnes, one pass, one reception, three yards. And Preston, one pass, one reception, 12 yards, um, that was kind of a, a big one. I don't know why that he was on Kittle, which was just a complete joke, but it is what it is. But overall, I mean, again, nobody really had a bad day. I mean, Stokes was the only one that was, um, that was much of anything and it was 42 yards, which is not, not super devastating. In terms of the alignment, I know some people were kind of curious about that. Would Jair be in the slot and all that? Um, the answer to the question, yes. Eight snaps. Three of them were, uh, the corner, and five of them were slot. So he was primarily a slot guy, which also could contribute to his grade. I mean, there's there's the rust factor, there's the out of position factor. So we got to figure that out going forward. I, I I think obviously what we're going to have is Stokes and Jair are the future, which probably doesn't bode very well for Razul Douglas as much as we want it to, um, just because I don't know that there's a place for him. And I don't think we can permanently put Jair in the slot. I don't think we want to. Not that he can't do it, but I just don't know if they want to move forward with that. Maybe they do. I don't know. It, it might depend on his cost. I mean, if we can get Razul cheap enough, and I think we probably can. I don't think his market is going to be as big as a lot of fans think. That's that's a big thing that I think a lot of fans do is they see somebody have a big game and they're like, dude, that guy's gonna get 15 million a year based on how he played. It's like, yeah. But I think he played well above his ability. I don't think he's gonna to see too many years like he had this past year. Not saying he's bad, not saying he's gonna be trash. I just, you know, it was heavily dependent on pick sixes. And those are things that just are not going to happen very often. And if you strip that away from Razul Douglas and just make him a general corner, I think you get more of what you've seen from, you know, a guy that lived on practice squads. No disrespect to Razul. I, you know, I don't mean it to come off that way. I just, you know, unbelievably grateful for what he did for us. But if I'm going to try to be reasonable and give my honest opinion, that's my honest opinion. That's why Packers will never come on the show because I give my honest opinion. And I just, if they, if they're listening, they don't like me. I know that much. That's fine. It means I'm doing my job. Anyways, I do have to get going. Um, I was feeling real good about the time. I was like, dude, we got like an hour left and now we are way out of time. I got to still get ready for work and I got to take the garbage cans out. I don't know. Probably snow out outside. But you guys have yourselves a great day. And again, we'll start digging in a little bit as far as salary cap and all that kind of stuff, kind of easing our way into the off season. But you guys have a great day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.